coming to you from the Dietitians and Nutrition Support Dietetic Practice Group. This is the DNS Member Podcast, where we explore topics relevant to our field. From support line content to nutrition celebrity interviews and everything in between, this podcast is where DNS members can go behind the scenes and explore the driving forces behind cutting-edge nutrition support. I'm your host, Christina Rollins. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to the DNS podcast. Our guest today is registered dietitian nutritionist, Barbara Mayfield, here to discuss effectively communicating nutrition messages. Barb is the founder and president of Nutrition Communicator, LLC, where she leads nutrition professionals to become confident and compelling communicators. Barb served as editor for Communicating Nutrition, the Authoritative Guide, published in 2020 by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. With this project, she led a team of 57 experts in nutrition communication, and this book is a lasting legacy of her years on the faculty of the Nutrition Science Department at Purdue University, where she taught future nutrition professionals to be effective communicators. Prior to teaching, Barb worked as an early interventionist, high-risk nutrition counselor, breastfeeding coordinator, local WIC program coordinator, long-term care consultant, and private practice dietitian. She also led Noteworthy Creations Incorporated, a company dedicated to high-quality nutrition education resources for 17 years. She's published books and curricula for preschoolers, early elementary, high school, college, and professional audiences. Barb received a BS in dietetics from Purdue and an MS in human nutrition from Cornell. She's received multiple teaching awards at Purdue, was named Outstanding Dietetics Educator by the Indiana Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and the Dietetics Educators and Preceptors. In 2018, she was inducted into the Purdue Nutrition Science Hall of Fame, and in 2019 was named Indiana's Outstanding Dietitian of the Year. Earlier in her career, she also received the Academy's Recognized Young Dietitian of the Year Award and Purdue's Alumni Outstanding Young Professional Award. In addition to these accolades, Barb is a well-known speaker with the Dietitians in Business and Communications, a dietetic practice group of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. The mission of the Dietitians in Business and Communications, DPG, is to advance its members as strategic and innovative business and communications leaders, and it does so by providing continuing education, skill building, and networking opportunities. This podcast episode is being offered today thanks to a collaborative agreement between the Dietitians in Nutrition Support and the Dietitians in Business and Communications. Barb, thank you so much for joining us on the DNS podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you. Tell us about yourself and what sparked your your passion for communication. Well, I think you've told the audience about me. And I've been a dietitian for over 40 years. But what sparked my interest in communication goes back to when I entered college back in the mid-70s. And I was first a major in what Purdue had as foods and nutrition and business. And my aspirations when I entered college were to go into magazine publishing, to be one of those people that wrote articles and recipes and maybe eventually become director of the Good Housekeeping Institute. Those were my 
aspirations and goals. And so when I entered Purdue, I did add a major of dietetics and I never regretted that. Getting that credential was essential. But I also minored, although it wasn't officially a minor, in communications. So that interest started all the way back then. And I would have to say that throughout my career, communicating nutrition has been really the essence of everything I've done. And I believe, as we wrote in the book, that it's the essence of what all of us do, no matter our practice setting. So whether you're in nutrition support or in an area where it really seems like communication, where like working in a magazine, which I, by the way, I've never done, uh, communicating is what we do. And what key attributes do you associate with an effective communicator, specifically in nutrition? We write about this in chapter two of Communicating Nutrition. So when I was thinking about this question, I thought, let's go back to what we wrote in, in that chapter. And we describe the attributes of an, of an effective nutrition communicator in three areas. Each of those areas has several attributes. So the first area are attributes that build your credibility. And those attributes include professionalism and integrity. Secondly, attributes that make you compelling, which we describe as empathy, positivity, and enthusiasm. And then lastly, attributes that are related to being committed to continually improving. And those include curiosity, creativity, collaboration, and commitment. So that's a whole mouthful of attributes, but I think you would agree that all of those help us to be successful, not only as communicators, really, but just professionally, to do our jobs well, to always be thinking about, am I credible? Am I accurate? Am I honest? Am I empathetic to who I'm working with? Am I listening to their needs and making the messages and the way I serve them really meet those needs. And as dietitians, we often find ourselves in situations where we need to communicate to a pretty wide variety of individuals. So what's the best approach to tailoring our messages so that the receiver effectively receives or understands the information that we're attempting to provide? This is really the essence of communicating effectively. And it's really what can set us as registered credentialed nutrition professionals apart from someone who is simply an influencer. Really, when we'll say what makes us so much better and so much uh, more to be trusted is that we will take time to know our audience. And we need to remind ourselves that in every setting, that is what fundamentally we need to do. One of the things that I like to impress upon people just from the onset of talking about nutrition communication is that communication is a relationship. It's a relationship between you as the sender of information and whoever your audience is as the recipient. And effective messaging and effective communication is created with an audience as well as for an audience. And being audience focused is critical. We've talked about this in uh, counseling, being client centered or patient centered. Well, audience centered is the way we need to approach 
all of the ways that we communicate. So we begin with assessing what our audience needs. What do they know? What do they misunderstand? How do they prefer to receive information? The list is endless. And then continue to interact with your audience as you craft your messages, as you deliver your messages, get feedback, use that feedback. It, it's, a, it's a relationship, it's a continual give and take between you and your audience to make sure that the message is received, the message is understood, and the message is acted upon in the way that everyone wants it to be. Well, I like that you mentioned about getting feedback, because I think that's something that sometimes we struggle with, you know, being open to that feedback and really soliciting that information. So how do you personally approach getting feedback once you have, you know, put something out there, communicated a message, you know, whatever the situation may be? One of the models that we include in the book about developing messages was developed by IFIC and it has five steps. And I taught this to my students at Purdue and I continue to use this where the first step is assessing your needs. And so we talked about that. Two is creating that message. And then the third step is that initial feedback. And the initial feedback can be simply asking your audience questions like, what does this message mean to you? Does it make sense in context with your life? Does it motivate you to take action? There's a, a variety of questions that are appropriate. And one of the things that I have found is a stumbling block to doing that step or even to doing that first step is people think, oh, I don't wanna bother my audience. Well, I have found 100% of the time that when you ask well and use the information, your audience appreciates it. And don't hesitate to ask those questions. And if you're in an encounter one-on-one, -on -one, again, to, to use counseling as an example, you get that feedback when you ask, does this make sense? Or put this into your words, or how would you explain this to someone at home? When you make sure that they got it. So there's, there's a variety of ways to solicit feedback. Certainly there's formal ways, surveys and focus groups and other things like that, but it all, basically comes down to asking good questions. Well, another scenario that I can think of that our listeners can likely relate to is public speaking, whether it's a podium presentation at a healthcare conference, lecturing on nutrition for resident physicians, or even teaching a disease management class for patients or customers. Um, so you recently shared in your blog, three steps to creating compelling content. So tell us about these steps and how we can leverage them in our own speaking engagements. What I put in the blog is only really one perspective about creating compelling content, because certainly there are other things that come into being compelling. But this particular aspect segues very nicely from this idea of understanding your audience. And that is understanding what they know, how they feel, and what they do, and creating content based on that information that speaks to their head, their heart, and their hands and feet. And we tend to do the head part really well. In fact, sometimes we overdo it. We dump a lot of knowledge on 
our clients, patients, peers, whoever it is. And so when we do a better job of really understanding what they want to know, what they need to know, what their gaps in knowledge are, and then provide the audience with what they need in the language that they understand, using meaningful examples and relevant explanations, that's compelling. We tend to do that well, or at least better than the other two. But we also need to speak to the heart. We need to appeal to how our audience feels, what their emotions are, what this topic makes them feel, and account for what their priorities are. And when we do that, are way more compelling than when it's just knowledge-based. And then thirdly, we also need to appeal to their hands and feet. We need to learn what actions our audiences most want to achieve. And then compelling content can equip them with practical steps that fit their life, help them meet their goals, and achieve the behaviors that are desirable. So again, not just the head, but also the heart and the hands and feet. So compelling content impacts your audience's feelings and behaviors. Well, oftentimes, as nutrition professionals, we are challenged by misinformation. Everyone eats, so everyone's a food expert. So what can we do to leverage evidence and get our messages across to those who are perhaps leaning on not-so-science-based sources of information? Yes, this is definitely one of our biggest challenges as nutrition experts. And the phrase you used can also be applied to everyone talks, so everyone's a communicator. Well, we aren't necessarily good at communicating in the same way that we also aren't necessarily experts in nutrition. So in order to combat this, one of the things that I like other nutrition professionals to keep in mind is that when people fall for falsehoods, it's likely because the messages satisfy what they want to be true and confirm what they currently believe. So keep that context in mind. The truth, what we have to offer, may seem less enticing and it generally is less likely to provide a quick fix to their problem. So begin your discussion with that person or that audience by fully understanding the problem or the question that the misinformation is answering for them. And again, kind of goes back to asking some good questions, dig a little deeper, get what's behind maybe even the initial question. And then you can agree with them on their desire for a solution or an answer and, and then offer to help them identify that something that's accurate and in their best interest. Ask them for permission to tell you what the truth is, or at least what we understand with our current research and science is the truth. In a bigger context of dealing with misinformation, help people to approach what they read and hear with some skepticism help them question the influencers' motives, to check sources, to understand the strength of the evidence. This particular topic is covered in the Communicating Nutrition book in chapter five, and one of the authors of that chapter, Alice Henneman, created a really helpful PowerPoint that 
is free and it's available on my website under the uh, free resources that supplement the book. And they are free to use it and it's steps that people can take and kind of red flags that they can use to counter misinformation. And so it could certainly be used with audiences that you might have. Well, let's switch gears and talk body language. How much of our communication is actually nonverbal? Well, this is an interesting question because I remember when I taught about this in nutrition communication, I used to teach a little formula that is widely uh, distributed out there on the internet related to what percentage is verbal and how much is words and how much is body language. And come to find out that those percentages maybe aren't perfectly accurate, but the basic gist of it is true. And that is body language, facial expressions, and our voice tone all greatly impact the words that we say in our communication. And certainly if you've ever uh, had a simple text or an email misinterpreted, you know this to be true that you think to yourself, well, if I've been able to say it, I could have conveyed the meaning better. And so when they work together, they really enhance our communication. If your body language or your voice tone, your facial expression is not in sync with what you're saying, the body language is believed more than the words. So it's really important that our words and the meaning we want to convey are very effectively communicating using both verbal and nonverbal communication together. So practice saying things the way that you want to say it. Practice the gestures you might want to use. So body language is important. I'm not going to tell you exactly how much of our communication, but it's significant. And it's something certainly to keep in mind. And what impact has the COVID-19 pandemic had on communication and just our general ability to connect? One of the things that I believe COVID has taught us is maybe not taught us, but reminded us and made very clear to us was how important human connection is. And as much as we possibly can, we need to make sure that we have in-person connections with people. And certainly a phone conversation is better than no conversation. And a, maybe a Zoom call where you can see the face or over an Alexa machine kind of thing is better than not connecting. But in-person, face-to-face is really not replaceable. And another thing that I've been intrigued by is the research on the importance of having one-on-one or actual face-to-face conversations and how texting and emailing and using other kinds of communication, which can be very helpful and useful, but if they're used in place of real conversation, we're, we're losing that ability to have those conversations and we're not practicing them. So I think maybe COVID helped us remember that those connections, those human connections are critical for our health and well-being and survival. Well, I can say from recent experience, I was able to attend an in-person nutrition meeting that DNS hosted in June in Nashville and the energy in the room and just the excitement of people 
being together and getting to learn face to face, you know, side by side was just extraordinary. We took it for granted. And I think virtual meetings are here to stay and for many purposes are would be a first choice. Yeah, I think it it definitely it, the variety and having the ability to balance when you're home with your families and attending things versus the ability to travel. Um, it, it's important to have that balance, but just going somewhere and being re-energized is, I think, priceless. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and just in working in a medical facility and the situations where patient contact was eliminated and people were isolated. I mean, we put people in prison in isolation as a punishment. We don't need to be doing that uh, overly in other settings. I mean, it's, we need human contact. So, you know, one last question before we wrap up, what advice would you give dietitians who are looking to improve their communication skills? Well, certainly I would, if you haven't gotten a copy of the Communicating Nutrition book, certainly recommend it. Don't want it to seem like a sales pitch, but it's a phenomenal resource. I look up, I look up things in my copy all the time. And for credentialed dietitians, you can earn 14 hours of continuing education at no additional cost with a linked quiz that's in the back of the book. But mostly, I want to say, like in so many areas, we learn by doing. And so practice, work on things, be willing to write, be willing to give speeches, be willing to do other things that are communication, whether it be posting on social media or doing a food demonstration for a class. There's just so many ways that we can communicate about foods and nutrition. Well, with that, we will conclude today's episode. Barb, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today. It's been my pleasure. And if anyone wants to reach out, uh, you can find me on my website, nutritioncommunicator.com. And I love to help others that are in nutrition do their job well. And listeners, to learn more about effectively communicating your own nutrition messages, please also visit the eatrightstore.org and search communication. Until next time, I'm Christina Rollins. Thanks for listening.